Sunday, October the 24th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. In a few moments, our guest speaker, Patrick Regan, is going to unpack that passage for us. Patrick is um, no stranger to most of us at Burlington. He's a good friend uh, who visits regularly. And we're excited that him and his team will once again be taking their tour to Burlington on the 3rd of December. More details on that event uh, coming up later on. But Patrick, with his wife, Diane, a few years ago, sensed God's leading and prompting to start a charity that helps churches and Christians become aware and to be involved with the challenge of mental health through the running of well-being groups, through tours and support and teaching. Uh, they're answering questions around how we can be um, churches and Christians who have not only a good understanding of mental health and the challenges that that can bring, but also can provide safe spaces within our church to encourage one another to have good mental health and to address issues of our well-being. So we're really grateful today for uh, Patrick allowing us to use one of the talks that he has recorded for um, uh, us and for other churches. It was recorded a few months ago in uh, lockdown, but uh, he's going to talk today about the challenge of not just bouncing back, but bouncing forward. And it felt a really timely talk. Uh, We're massively grateful for Patrick allowing us to use it today. And I really believe that as we listen in together, we're going to hear God speak to us words of encouragement, words of comfort, and perhaps a few words of challenge as well. So over to Patrick, who's going to lead us now. My name's Patrick. I work for a charity called Kintsugi Hope. People are like, what on earth does the word Kintsugi mean? Well, Kintsugi is a Japanese word that means golden joinery. And the whole idea of Kintsugi is if you take a bowl, and you break it, we tend to mend it with superglue. And the whole idea of superglue is you hide the cracks, you pretend it's not broken. But what they do in Japan is they put a gold powder in the glue, so instead of hiding the cracks, they make a feature of the cracks. Arguably, the object becomes more beautiful than it was before. It certainly becomes more unique. And I am a firm believer that beauty comes from brokenness. And our scars are not there to be ashamed of. Our scars make us who we are. And that we're all unique. We all have our stories. But if we allow him, God pours in the gold and does something really special in our brokenness. So me and my wife, Diane, we set up this charity called Kintsugi Hope a number of years ago. And basically what we do is we have a, a well-being program of 12 weeks looking at all issues around well-being from anxiety to stigma to self-acceptance to forgiveness to depression. Um, it's all written in learning styles and delivered in small groups. Um, churches train to run it. We train them online and then they run it in their communities. And it's just been incredible. We've got over 500 leaders now, 180 churches or something. Um, people running it across the UK, most of them running it on Zoom, some running it in person. Um, loads of non-Christians come in, loads of people coming from the community as well as from the church as well. And it's just been incredible to see this movement start around well-being. And, and it's lovely to have something you can invite your neighbours to 
Do you know what I mean? Which is, um, which you know is going to really benefit them. I call it a little bit like Weight Watchers for Wellbeing. You know, get some tools, get some friends, and let's get through this season together. So anyone's interested in that, check it out on our website. Um, the other thing we've done is produced a few resources. And we've done this journal because I really feel like journaling is really important. Um, it's beautiful. It says, this is me, my well-being journal. And it's got poetry and Bible verses and famous quotes from different people uh, on every other page as well. And then I've written two books, uh, Honesty Over Silence, It's Okay Not To Be Okay, Looking At Emotional Mental Wellbeing, and When Faith Gets Shaken, Where Is God When Suffering Happens In Our Lives? Uh, very personal. Both of these are very personal books. But today, um, I want to talk to you about resilience. Now, by definition, resilience is thriving in the midst of adversity. And it's interesting that when people refer to resilience, they often talk about bouncing back. You may have heard this in the news, you know, will the economy bounce back? Uh, Will the church bounce back? Will people come back to church? You know, it's all about bouncing back. And I was actually writing a book on this recently. So I've done a lot of research in this. And when I came to it, I was like, I'm not sure I want to bounce back. And I think I've been changed. My values have been challenged. Um, we've lost people that we really care about. I don't know if you just simply bounce back or an elastic band, they say, just going back into shape. And as I delved into the research, the other, there's a lot of other people saying, well, resilience is less about bouncing back and more about bouncing forwards. It's more about allowing some of the stuff to, that's changed you, good and bad, to allow you to be the person in the future that God wants you to be. And I think that's a really important message for the church. Let's not just bounce back. Let's bounce forward. What is God saying to us now? And that doesn't mean we deny that the, some of the challenges that we've been through. I want to look at probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible, if not the most misquoted verse in the Bible. And it is simply this, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. You'll all know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you future and a hope. Now, it seems like a really encouraging verse, doesn't it? That God's got plans to help us and to see us through. But what we fail to do with this verse is we fail to put it in any sort of context whatsoever. We pluck it out of the Bible and we stick it on our fridge magnets and on our t-shirts and on our bookmarks. And we don't even look at the context of what is going on here. Well, the context is this. The book of Jeremiah was written in the context of the Babylonian army who had invaded and destroyed Jerusalem. And the people of God had been taken into exile by King Nebuchadnezzar. So that meant tens of thousands of Hebrews who marched across several hundred miles of desert to live in a place where Yahweh wasn't known. It wasn't the same. There was no temple of God. There was no Levitical sacrifices. There were no festivals, no celebrations. They People felt like they were aliens in a foreign land. In fact, the book of Lamentations expresses the sadness of the people in exile. They felt orphaned. They felt vulnerable. Uh, they felt disillusioned, abandoned. And, you know, it's interesting. I've spoken to a few people over this pandemic and people are feeling vulnerable. People are feeling overwhelmed. People are feeling a bit rootless and, uh, and feeling what is going on. You know, I love this slide um, coming up here. Um, this was my plan for my life. 
And this is reality. I don't know if anyone can relate to that slide there. I think that is the same for so many of us. But to understand what Jeremiah is saying here, we have to look at Jeremiah 28, the chapter previous. And we see in Jeremiah 28, there's a prophet, Hananiah. And basically, they say that Israel will be restored within two years. That all the temple treasures that Nebuchadnezzar had taken back to Babylon, God was going to sort it out in two years. Now, this was a, you know, an okay prophecy, wasn't it, really? Two years, long time, but maybe we can hang in for that long. And, uh, but the reality was, was it was a false prophecy. And it was against that backdrop that Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, the priests and the prophets and all the people being exiled. And what he says in verse 10, in Jeremiah 29 verse 10, just before the famous verse, is guys, it's going to be 70 years. 70 years in exile. But this is the key. This is not to be wasted. You know what you should do? Actually, stay, plant gardens, eat the food, produce, marry, have kids there. Pray for the peace and the prosperity of the city. In fact, if you read Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 7, you see what God is really saying in this context. He's actually saying, be outward looking. Don't be inward looking at this point. It's about praying for the people around you, that God has got you in this situation and he will work out his purposes in it. I think there's some real keys that come out of this passage for me. And number one is that the people of God were called to accept the situation that they were in. Accept the fact that we're in Babylon and they may, some of them may not be leaving. Now this is really key. Acceptance and resignation are two very different things. You cannot accept you cannot deal with what you first don't acknowledge. If you don't acknowledge it, you can't deal with it. Acknowledging an issue takes courage and vulnerability and humility. Archbishop Desmond Tutu said this, we're meant to live in joy. This doesn't mean that life will be easy or painless. It means that we turn our faces to the wind and we accept that this is a storm we must pass through. We cannot succeed by denying what exists. The acceptance of reality is the only place from which change can begin. Acceptance is the first step to healing. So many of people look for the quick fix instead of committing themselves to the long process of healing. You know, one of the things I really struggled with, and in honesty over silence I talk a lot about it, was my mental health, particularly around anxiety. And, and I wanted to keep it a secret. I didn't want to accept the fact that this was going on in my life. And when I did tell a few Christians about it, they were like, well, you just need to have more faith. Or maybe you've got a hidden sin that you need to repent of, which just made me feel useless, to be honest, and really um, beat myself up even more. I felt ashamed and uh, like a complete failure. I used to live by what I described the shoulds, the musts, the oughts. I should be able to cope. What's wrong with me? I've got a good job, good family, a team that I love and I'm passionate about. I must pull myself together or I'm going to let everyone down. I know God loves me, so why am I feeling like this? Why am I struggling with my mental and emotional health? I ought to be stronger. Get a grip. Spend more time praying. I should, I must, I ought. That we need to let those things go. We need to accept that it's okay not to be okay. We need to accept that it's okay to have limitations and uh, in fact, actually, when you think about limitations, we all have limitations. You know, 
I've got four kids. Um, I'm 46 years old. I live in a certain area. I can't travel. I'm in a season of life. I'm not particularly academic. I'm limited with my intellect a little bit. It's okay to have limitations. We're not expected to do everything. And I grew up in a generation where it was like, we were the history-making generation. We were going to change the world. And I've come to realize that that was good in some ways, but I am not the rescuer. Jesus is. Jesus is the rescuer. We are all limited in certain ways. And it's okay not to be able to do everything. Maybe we need to accept the fact that life is never going to be perfect. That you don't need to be all things to all people. You can have questions. You don't have to agree with everyone. Anxiety isn't weakness. You know, some of the people I know of anxiety, they're the most caring, sensitive, have incredible empathy, and just the most loving people. And yet, all we've given them to in church sometimes is trust God a bit more. Anxiety isn't weakness. You know, it's like a car alarm. If it's going off all the time, it's annoying for you and for everyone else. But actually, you need the car alarm, right? And so sometimes it's learning how would you manage those situations. Struggling doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you're a human being. Life is never going to be perfect, and you are loved no matter what. My friend um, Liz Carter says this, Jeremiah didn't give false hope by promising that this future would be theirs for the taking right now in their lives. Instead, he advised them to comply with and participate in the situation God was extending hope to those in a horrendous situation, but not making a promise that life would suddenly become free of difficulty. You know, the challenge is, is we don't often talk about this stuff. You know, I don't often hear uh, sermons about resilience, but this is so important. How do we keep going? Well, um, Martin Silman, he's a psychologist. He said there are three P's that we need to understand in our recovery just to keep going. Number one is personalization. The belief that we are always at fault. We blame ourselves for everything. I don't know if you do that. I take things incredibly personally. I have standards that are so high, I wouldn't dream of putting anyone else under the standards I put myself under. And so personalization, learning that actually we are not responsible for everything. Everything that happens isn't all our fault. Things happen despite of us. Um, second P, pervasiveness. The belief that an event will affect every area of our life. Now, the pandemic has affected lots of areas of our lives. But it hasn't affected every area of your life. It hasn't affected the people that you love, the people that you care about, the people that you can telephone. It doesn't affect for lots of people the fact that you can still go for a walk um, outside, even though it is so restricted. Pervasiveness, that belief that every area of our life is affected. It doesn't affect every area of our lives. And Jeremiah is saying that, you know, come on, guys, settle down, build gardens, pl- you know, um, marry, give hope. It's not a complete disaster. And we still have choices about how we respond to stuff. And then second, uh, thirdly, sorry, um, permanence. Um, we tell ourselves sometimes things will never get better. Never and always are dangerous words. They're absolute statements. Sometimes it's good to have healthy doubt, to move from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, to exercise a little bit of what you know is called, as Susan David calls, emotional agility, to realize that our emotions are really important. They're really important pieces of data that tells us how to feel. But you know what? Our emotions aren't always our friend. You know, my wife would say to me, don't believe everything you think. <laughs> um, question it sometimes. It's not permanent. We will get through this. 
We will get through this. It might be tough, but you're going to get through this. And that's what God is saying through the Jeremiah. He's saying this beautiful verse is that I've got plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you future and hopes. In the context of exile, there is still hope. You know, um, when I was going through a bit of a tough time, um, my wife bought me a dog and we called the dog Hope, which now I realize is a really rubbish name for a dog. I mean, imagine, imagine my poor neighbors, you know, um, as I was trying to train the dog. I used to shout out, no hope, <laughs> no hope, no hope, at the top of my voice. And there were times I think they heard me shout up the stairs, Diane, I've lost hope. She jumped over the back fence. But hope is this. This is what real hope's about. Hope is saying everything passes, nothing lasts forever. So my prayer is as you grapple with resilience, thriving in the midst of adversity, accepting that this is a tough situation, but also accepting that actually you don't have to take everything personally. It's not going to affect every area of your life and it's not permanent. That God is speaking. That as we start to grapple these things, we don't bounce back, we bounce forward.